Welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast, where we share knowledge, philosophies, wisdom, and insight to help you on your journey in both sport and life. Introducing your host, Rob Riles. Hello and welcome to another edition of Leader Manager Coach. Welcome along to the podcast. It's Rob Riles welcoming you to another program. Now in today's edition, I'm going to talk to you about somebody that the world of football management can seriously and totally call an icon and a legend. The man I want to talk about, who bless him, is no longer with us, has been called British football's greatest manager. And of course, if you are a student of the game, you will be well aware that that title uh, has been banded around and gifted to a number of individuals. And of course, it depends on what your criteria is for great. What do you mean by great? The gentleman that I'm talking about is Bob Paisley. Now, Bob Paisley followed the late, great Bill Shankly and became the manager of Liverpool after Bill. And there's so much to talk about with Bob, although (laughs) it can be said he was a very simple man. And I'm not actually sure, I suppose this is true in many cases as well, whether Bob would have been as successful now as he was in his own time. And maybe that's not even a fair statement to mention. And maybe it's not even true. But one thing's for certain, there is hardly a greater contrast available between Bill Shankly and Bob Paisley. Now, Bob was a member of, or one member of Bill's backroom staff, the boot room, the famous Sandfield boot room. And when, in the 1970s, 1974, I believe, after the FA Cup final triumph, Bill announced his retirement, the Liverpool board wanted to offer Bob the job. And if the stories are to to be believed, Bob actually refused the job, humbly believing that it wasn't for him and being unsure as to whether he could do it anyway. Now, what I want to say is that most of this podcast is as a result of reading a wonderful book by Ian Herbert. It was written by Ian. It's uh, published by Bloomsbury. And as Rory Smith from the New York Times says, it, it is an evocative and intimate portrait. A beautifully written book called Quiet Genius. Bob Paisley, British football's greatest manager. And there are quotes in it from Samat, Brian Clough, Graham Soonis, Sir Alex, and numerous other people. It is a who's who in terms of names of the greatest footballers at that time during Bob's time as manager. But what I want to focus on in this podcast is Bob's character. The title almost says it all. Because of what he achieved... And in his years as tenure of Liverpool's manager, he won, or was the man at the helm, 
when Liverpool won something like 1.5 trophies a season. Now, it's difficult enough winning one trophy in five years. Winning one every year is monumental. And winning more than one in a year, and obviously it's an average, is takes you into a different level or to a different level. I think the place to start with with Bob's analysis of Bob is really what it says in the title, which kind of sums it up. Yes, he was a genius, as I've already mentioned, because he, he achieved so much. But the interesting part is this character. And again, the title almost says it all. Quiet. Bob was an extremely quiet man to such an extent that his communication as described by Ian Herbert in the book, was of such a level that it's almost difficult to understand. The adjectives you could describe to talk about the communication aspect of Bob, it's difficult to find the right words for me. But I don't actually think that Bob would be upset if you said that he was a poor communicator. And I'm saying that from somebody who's never met the man. And it's just from what I've read. But there are certainly a great number of, or a significant number of players who alluded to this fact that Bob's ability to to communicate was, and I don't even think limited is the right word. Bob was not a great communicator verbally. So much so that some of the great stories in the book are about, and it's almost mind-blowing, Bob's team talks, tactical team talks, pre-match, the Friday before the game, the first team players gathered in the dressing room, the tactics board laid out, everybody with an air of expectation, and Bob sauntering in with his normal brill-creamed hair, Possibly a cardigan on. Possibly his slippers that he used to walk around Anfield in. And beginning his talk about the opposition and how they were to play. And Ian Herbert describes eloquently getting quotes from people who were in the dressing room. The Graham Soonesses, as an example. And the Kennedys. That Bob would get stuck with his words. He would forget people's names and he would call people who's it and where's it and what's his name and use words like that and use phrases that people didn't understand and just come up with one word monologues to describe how he wanted people to play and who's it. You just stick to what's his name and uh, you just just play the quick ball in and you just watch him because he's a bit quick and if Players would ask him questions in described situations where Bob would stutter and not be able to answer. And there's all, all, <laughs> almost a, 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 what's an air of the players making it up themselves at, at certain times. And it's absolutely phenomenal. It's such a read. It, it's hard to get your head around that that was what was actually happening. But that was Bob's way of communicating. The other, um, the other manifestation of Bob's communication ability was the way that he dropped players and changed the team. And 
One thing was for certain with Bob. He was decisive. Another thing was completely certain about Bob from reading about him and acknowledging the success he had. He understood the game. He understood the game and he understood players. And he was not afraid to change a team in order to get what he wanted. But the way that he did it was not really out of them the Harvard Man Management Business Book. Bob would drop players out of the first 11 and not even tell them or speak to them and actually would go out of his way to avoid them so that he didn't have to have that possible confrontational difficult conversation with people that he knew. And that continued through Bob's career and was a consistent thing. And it comes across in the book as a as a negative and a criticism that people held a negative opinion of Bob because they had been the subject of being dropped by Bob, being let go without any communication, without any references and people traveling to away games and Wembley finals and all that goes with successful teams, but not being involved yet, not being communicated to. But that was Bob. He obviously didn't do high level communication and avoided confrontational issues. But he still, despite that, obviously had all this amazing success. He was, yes, he was softly spoken, but the picture is one of a man who was soft on the outside, but absolutely rock hard on the inside. What he wanted and what he believed in, he would create on the pitch. And he was the same with the other staff, you know, with Reuben Bennett and, and Evans and, and Moran. And he, if they, sometimes Bob wouldn't sit in the dugout. And if they started to make a decision about putting a player on or getting somebody warmed up and Bob wasn't happy, he would come down and tell them in a couple of words, absolutely no, this is what we're doing. So he knew exactly what he wanted. I think the other absolutely nailed on phenomenal aspect of Bob Paisley that contributed towards him being so successful was his ability to know a player and the recruitment that he did at Liverpool in order to to create the success was nothing short of unbelievable really I mean in one season and it was the mid 70s I think it was 76, 77 and I'm more than willing to be corrected on that in that one season he recruited to Liverpool Kenny Dalglish as the replacement for the, in inverted commas, irreplaceable Kevin Keegan, Alan Hansen, who became one of the, you know, the most celebrated centre-halves in, in English football during his time, and Graham Souness, one of Liverpool's greatest midfielders. Now, you have those three players in your side, and you're going to win football games, and you're probably going to win trophies. And to recruit all those three players for, you know, moderate sums of money. Yes, at the top of the 
expense tree at the time, but not extortionate as it is today. Clubs bankrupting themselves, none of that. Just decent prices for absolutely, completely world-class players that would change everything for the club or take the club to another level. He knew players and he understood them. And we come back to the other stories that when these players came to Liverpool, they weren't coached in the way that you might expect, like maybe Guardiola does today, like maybe Mourinho does today, like you have to do this and I want you to do that and I want you to do that. The words were go out and play. And that is how it worked. And that was what Bob and his team were phenomenal at. Bob was really shy. And one of the things he wasn't good at, which went along with the communication, was the press. And that was one of the reasons he cited as not wanting the job. But Bob was humble enough. And Liverpool were intelligent enough to provide Bob with some support on that. You know, success is all about teamwork. And they had Tom Saunders, who for decades did an amazing job. Tom, I believe, was an ex-school teacher. Did an amazing job in assisting Bob in the background with his communication and doing all the things that Bob didn't like, all the things that Bob didn't feel he was very good at. And yet, therefore, allowing Bob to just do what he was great at which was being around the club and just being that presence because it's almost like well what does this guy do who wears these great big gloves and goes in goal in the famous Liverpool five sides hardly speaks to people doesn't actually communicate what he wants very well yet creates this phenomenal success You know, I think the thing that goes through all this that created his success is that he knew the game so well. He knew players and he knew what players could do and what he wanted. And it was that that gave him the ability to to create this success. And he was humble enough to allow many, many things around him to take care of themselves because he knew it wasn't within his realm to to influence them. And that is a difficult thing to achieve for anybody. He was actually very driven. He was never he was never satisfied. People used to say they would watch Bob and look at Bob and he would be sitting there maybe coming home from a game and they could almost hear his mind ticking over analyzing the game again and again and again and this phase of play and that phase of play and when this happened and that happened and that penalty and that free kick and that that goal and 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 all the little aspects of the game that Bob was completely involved in and understood and this humility goes back many 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 years Bob was at the club for decades and he had Roles at the club, coaching roles, physiotherapy roles, the old trainer roles, electrician, groundsman. You know, Bob was responsible for doing repairs on some of the stands when there was nothing going in terms of proper jobs for him. 
these are the days when that kind of thing went on, but also they're a testament to somebody's character who is prepared to do things like that and not just wait for the glory job to come along. He was certainly working class and loved nothing more than to return to his native northeast and be with the people he felt most comfortable with. He had no airs and graces, didn't drive a flash car, didn't live in a big house on a hill, preferred to just walk around in his cardigan and slippers. He loved his horse racing and his idea of a great holiday was to spend a couple of weeks in the UK where he could visit his racing stables or racing stables where he knew the trainer and just relax in that kind of environment. He wasn't a great traveller and he had a, a great source of support and inspiration from his wife who kept scrapbooks of all Bob's success and um, supported him obviously all through his career in terms of being there as, as that support is, is needed so often and um, by people in, in jobs like that. Jesse was um, an ex-school teacher and it provided enormous amounts of information for Ian Herbert for his book. And um, I think much of the, the credit goes goes to her for, for not only Bob's success, but also the contributions towards the book. There's an amazing story about the simplicity of Bob's reign at Liverpool where coaching science if you can call it that was just coming into favour and the FA were making their first inroads into providing coaching courses for coaches to improve their techniques and understanding and the Liverpool boot room went along to Lillishall I believe it was to attend this coaching course and the story goes something like after half a day they all looked at each other and decided that this wasn't for them and got back in their cars and made their way back to Melwood leaving I believe Joe Fagan as the sole representative of Liverpool just to uh, mop up whatever he thought was possibly relevant now that's not an indictment of the paucity of the FA's coaching courses I think it's an example of Bob and Liverpool's belief in themselves and the way that they were doing it and I think the success that they were having at that time and continue to have underlines the fact that their beliefs weren't based on anything false. They, they were obviously based on on real quality beliefs that that, that, that were underpinned by genuine knowledge because the success wouldn't be, wouldn't be there otherwise. And in a nutshell, that's the quiet genius that's Bob Paisley. And I think the lessons from that are, look, you have to be yourself. One thing Bob Paisley was, was himself. Whether anybody thought that brill cream, cardigans and slippers and not being able to remember players' names was sexy and great, never entered the frame that's how he was that's how he stayed 
And that's how he endured. And as Ian Herbert entitled his book, became British football's greatest manager. Almost self-admittedly, a poor communicator who needed help, but humbly accepted the help and did what he was good at. Wasn't afraid to make decisions, although maybe there's a case for saying that he could have been better at the communication of those decisions. That aside, Bob Paisley was an example. And if you're an introverted character, you're not considered, you don't consider yourself to be a brilliant communicator, but you understand the game, you understand your industry, you understand your niche, and you're prepared to be yourself. Hold Bob Paisley in high esteem and uh, forge your own path. Bob Paisley, the quiet genius, British football's greatest manager. Hope you've enjoyed it. Hope you got something out of it. Great to chat. Catch you later. Bye-bye.